what day are we on? So, what day is it? Is uh, day I, be- I believe today is day 14? Yeah. This, yeah, right? I yeah, don't know. because tomorrow will be the sec- two full weeks since they started. So yeah, is there a, a place you can go? Like what day of aklake.com? You know, that's is actually right now. That's actually a good. Yeah, maybe we should. That, maybe that's a new project for us. Yes, yes, good. Maybe I think the main place to go is just uh, right the triangle, right, and go pop in there and see what they have on their thing. Do they have a? Bo- oh, right, they do. They have like a little white erase board with like the day on it, don't they? Great. So, hey, Matt, today is day 14 of the legislative session. Oh, we should do our intro. Let's do our intro. Oh, yeah. Okay. Uh, hello, Alaska. This is Pat Race. And this is Matt Buxton. And this is a podcast about Alaska. It right. sure is. Yeah. Yeah. And so, it's day uh, 14 here- of the Alaska legislative session. So, it's we're recording this on Monday, uh, January 28th, around 1.45 p.m. So... Yeah, and it's a uh, it was a foggy morning in Juneau. A lot of uh, a lot of folks didn't make it into town this morning. I, th- I guess everyone probably rolled into town by now. But it was a little slow slow Monday today. Yeah, I was kind of sitting around, sort of looking at what I was going to do for the Midnight Sun blog today, and not a lot is the answer. Uh, just not a lot is going on. We're still at a point where we don't have organization in the House. Uh, the Senate really hasn't done much because it's waiting on the House. Um, and meanwhile, everybody is kind of deciding to take a closer look at all of uh, Governor Dunleavy's appointments. So it's been a yeah. fun few days. I wouldn't say it's the most been. I would say it hasn't been the most productive few days. So, so let's let's talk about those appointments. That's really interesting to me. So the the governor um, in his in his role gets to appoint people to a whole bunch of boards and commissions and uh, as uh, commissioners uh, of different departments and directors. And we're kind of seeing a vetting problem, aren't we? Yeah, you can say that. So um, I mean, the big headline of of last week would have been the uh, commissioner designee John Quick, who is no longer. Uh, employed by the state as he resigned when it uh, became clear that he had um, provided uh, what was what was his uh, phrasing incorrect information to um, the Senate and on his resume so is there anything bad that can come of lying to the Senate like is he under oath in that kind of a no scenario? no so unfortunately it's not like the US Senate so you can kind of basically lie however you, you want and there's no legal repercussions, at least. But you know, it, being fired, I guess, is a is a repercussion. So yeah, okay. resigning, and that, I guess. And an, uh, that he wasn't the only one. He wasn't the only one, yes. And so uh, the other guy being Art Chance, who had been um, uh, offered basically offered a special advisor position, uh, working for Jonathan Quick in the Department of Administration, uh, he uh, decided to um, decline the job after it came out that he basically just is really a foul mouthed jerk on social media to a lot of different people. But that wasn't really a surprise if you follow Alaska politics. No, not really. Right. Like this should not have been a surprise to the Dunleavy folks. This is something that's well known around the state of Alaska, right? Yeah, you'd think so. I mean, I've seen the, I've sort of seen all sorts of, I mean, when he first got appointed, I, there was sort of stuff going around. So it, it took, you know, a few weeks, I guess, for it to really kind of materialize. And it took, you know, um, Jeff Landfield of the Alaska Landmine to be posting screenshots of all his Facebook stuff to really get the ball rolling, I guess. So I'm seeing a lot more criticism of other appointees now. 
Uh, do you feel like that's warranted, or do you think that like because these two guys uh, weren't given their positions, do you think people are really like digging in and looking for stuff? Like, what's going on right now? Yeah, I think that's kind of like the tricky balance moving forward with this. So, um, you know, I've basically it's kind of it is kind of coming out of the woodwork where we're we're examining everybody else that the governor has appointed. So there are some here and there that are I think. Um, are, are kind of drawing correctly, correctly drawing some kind of raised eyebrows. You have um, Dunleavy's pick for the University of Alaska Board of Regents, uh, Tammy Randolph, who's got her own Twitter account that uh, is promoting like QAnon memes, um, really MAGA uh, heavy, um, accusing um, uh, Michelle Obama of being a man. So kind of Again, some pretty nasty stuff. Uh, you know, there's some questions about whether or not that's like a really appropriate um, uh, behavior for a regent, especially when they're overseeing something like that. Whereas, you know, I also am getting calls about people who are pointing out appointees who are older than than their position may, you know, or, or, you know, they're in charge of potentially of a technology position or something like that. And they're older gentlemen or something. So there are kind of a wide range of things, I would say, where... Um, I, know, I know lots of older gentlemen that are good with technology. Are, are you yeah. saying it's like an experience gap, or do you think that it's just like the, a, I think, yeah, an actual so criticism? So I, that's that's the question. So I, that's something like we're starting to kind of look at, and I think um, it's kind of important for the media, especially even us like dirty gossip bloggers and, and bloggers in general, is that like, yeah, you do have to be kind of separating out sort of substantial policy problems and from right. sort of not liking somebody. And I think yeah, there and, are. Yeah. So valid, like digging out valid criticism. And I think that's one of the important things is that like, we can't just say like this person shouldn't be appointed because they posted uh, a funny picture of Michelle Obama, but the QAnon thing isn't really interesting with Tammy Randolph because like, I feel like that is a complete dissociation with reality. Like if you take other conspiracy theories, like the, like if like people who believe the moon landing is a hoax or the alien aliens are at area 51 or that the nine 11 was an inside job. Like there's, there's all those conspiracy theories and QAnon kind of makes those things look really, really, really tame. It basically the, the premise of QAnon is that, like Donald Trump is playing five dimensional chess and like all of his spelling errors are secret messages to his followers. And, and he's working with Mueller to like uh, round up all, like all of Hillary Clinton's friends on uh, some kind of like child pornography thing. You know, it was all tied into pizza gate where they went in and they like <laughs> some guy with a gun showed up at a pizza shop that like that they thought was at the center of a child prostitution ring. Anyways, it's just like, it's, it's insane babble. And I don't know that, like you want someone that believes that that is true to be administering a university in our state. Yeah. But, but I, on, on the other hand, like being conservative is not a disqualifying factor. Yeah. So, that's, that's sort of the thing that is like, uh, keeps on coming around to me is like, uh, you know, why, why, why are these, why, why, why are his appointments being filled by these kind of people when, you know, I can name, dozens of like good kind of traditionally conservative appointees that would be perfect for these kind of positions. And so right. that's kind of what I think is sort of revealing maybe bigger questions about how the Dunleavy administration is coming together. You know, do you, do you wonder, are they just overlooking some of these things? Are they appointing their friends without really thinking about it? Or do they agree with some of this stuff? You know, are they, they also QAnon supporters? So that's kind of the thing that's sort of, 
I think we're still sort of digesting and really kind of trying to learn about right now. And I think, hopefully, I don't know, I think part of me wants to give it all the kind of the benefit of the doubt, but at the same time, you kind of start to look at across the board and you're kind of seeing sort of as a pattern. similar attitude, a pattern. Yeah. And, yeah. and I think that does become uh, a little more concerning, right? Yeah. Right. Yeah. So in the very best case scenario, they're not vetting their candidates very well. And in the worst case scenario, in the, that's exactly what they're looking for, which is, I, you know, it's, it's kind of interesting to me. So, well, I guess we'll, we'll learn more as, as uh, time unfurls here. Mm-hmm. Um, what I, I saw something um, to change the subject here. I saw something last week that was was really interesting. That was the um, dueling uh, budget presentations in the Senate, um, and we talked a little bit about that. But I, I took some time this week and I went back and kind of looked through it again. And um, the interesting thing of, about that that I don't don't know that a lot of people are talking about is that the that OMB has uh, gone through like a prioritization process. Um, right. Yeah. Do you know much about that? So yeah. So I mean, I know as far as the same hearing that you watched, which is, you know, they're going through internally ranking services um, based on their priorities as far as, you know, accomplishing the missions laid out by the Constitution, basically the kind of just going back to the, the sort of, you know, Representative Tammy Wilson has talked about this a lot, like, what does our Constitution require us to do? And then let's only do that and nothing else. And so right. I think that's kind of the thinking that's going on here. They were really um, pretty opaque about how this process is going. They yeah. when they when asked if like will we get to see this list of services ranked and they basically said well the the budget will be the result of this list so therefore you get that but you don't get to see the list of it so was well, that something we can just ask for like isn't there a like a public uh, information request we can just make for that yeah can we get that I think I think we would be able to request something like that um, what's really kind of so I think I mean I think it kind of this this gets to something I've been thinking about a lot which is. Um, you know, I think there are like some good conversations to be going on around the budget right now, as far as you know, what services are is Alaska providing? How much are we charging for them? Are we collecting taxes? But like, I would hope that those conversations are honest and straightforward and are kind of not really influenced by partisan thinking. But it, it so far it doesn't really seem like they're particularly. Um, keen on being transparent or, right. or really inclusive in a lot of these discussions. So. Yeah, they, those those are the kind of conversations. That is why we have a legislature and a public process is so that those conversations can happen out in the open and so that citizens can comment on them. I mean, if we're prioritizing the uh, you know undertakings of every department in the state of Alaska, you'd think you'd want uh, input from the citizens. Um, and I guess you could argue that the citizens have given their input in the in the one poll that matters by voting for for Dunleavy. Yeah. Um, but I don't know that that really um, resonates with me. <laughs> well, so that yeah, so. and that's interesting too. I mean, like didn't so we actually so the idea for Hello Alaska right came kind of loosely after oh was it was it two thousand fifteen after um, Walker. Uh, became office after his first term. He uh, kind of uh, called everyone together at the University of Alaska Fairbanks um, 
and asked everybody about what they thought about the budget. Didn't you get to you got to participate in those talks, right? I did. It was amazing. It was really interesting. And I remember um, there were a lot of influential people from all over the state there, and um, you know, even even people who were were not part of the process were were there, and people who were frustrated with the process were there, and they were you know, like Suzanne Downing was sitting there and uh, kind of live blogging the whole thing, and it was. Um, even if she didn't agree with it, it was visible to her. And, um, you know, this process, I, I would say, is arguably much more opaque. I think that was kind of one of the, the responses we saw during those meetings last week, these dueling budget presentations, was um, the response from uh, Senator Bert Stedman, who's the co-chair of the Senate Finance Committee, basically said, like, hey, remember, we're, we're, we're equal branches of government here, and we will not stand for, I think what his quote was, uh, dictatorial control of that information, which is which was the budget. And so yeah. um, I think, that, I think I'm, I'm kind of glad to hear comments like that because you look at the federal level, on the, like the federal shutdown, for example, where uh, Mitch McConnell and, and the Congress and Senate was really refusing to sign on to anything that wasn't approved by um, the president. And it's kind of like this sort of, deference of duty basically to the president and, and i think it's really kind of a dangerous idea to to for for two branches of government that are controlled by the same party to fall into lockstep and so having having a even a republican alaska senate that is kind of taking a, a so even if it's a mildly adversarial role with the the, the administration i think is really important and, and, and refreshing so yeah yeah, they might agree on policy issues, but but the procedure is important, and how you get there is important. And I I, I actually I 100% agree. I was really um, it was really heartening to see Bert Stedman uh, kind of take a firm hand with the Senate finance there. Mm-hmm. Um, that, I mean, you looked at some of the other people on that committee, and they were basically saying, okay, well, we'll we'll ask politely when it comes out, and if you want to give it to us, then that would be sure swell. And yeah. he was just like, no, you know, we will get this information, so. Yeah. So where are we with the organization in the House right now? Are you hearing anything? I've, I've kind of got some murmurs. Yeah, so the murmurs that I've been hearing, you can read about this if you go to uh, midnightsunak.com and look at the latest Friday in the Sun, is um, this kind of idea where kind of the competing factions, the the Republicans and then the sort of the, the moderate, bipartisan, mostly Democratic coalition may um, look at a, a, what's, what they're considering a power sharing agreement. So basically they're going to both stay in their majority-less majorities and agree to co-chairs of finance, co-chairs of all the committees, co-chairs of House Rules Committee, and even like co-speakers. So um, it's pretty sketchy, I guess, is I would I would still kind of term this all as like very draft and sketchy at the moment. But it kind of sounds like, you know, it's it's better than nothing is what I've been hearing from a lot of people. Yeah, I really just think they need to get moving. And like, it doesn't really matter what that looks like. You can reorganize later once you have once you've cut your deals. But I I think that just to get bills in committees and get committees formed is um, it's got to be a priority right now. Yeah, I mean, I think it's getting really embarrassing to see them uh, not be able to do anything right now. Uh, the House is kind of doing these inf- informational, informal meetings, um, kind of doing the basic work you would expect for the beginning of session, but kind of without like a lot of the, the normal dressing of it. So it's going to be, it's really weird right now, to be honest. How are they going to pass the Raven Bill if they don't organize? 
<laughs> I mean, <laughs> so so wh- where are you on uh, the the uh, Raven uh, Tarmigan action? The uh, so there's a you know there's a bill that's that's been put in by Scott Kawasaki to change the state bird to the to the Raven, right? Yeah, from the Tarmigan, which it currently from, is. Yeah, yeah. You know, I I, oh, I don't know. <laughs> I, I mean, I I guess if I had to pick one of the birds, I I, I don't know, maybe a Raven. I guess I, I kind of like. <laughs> yeah. I like I like watching them. I think they're kind of cool, interesting birds. Tarmacans are interesting too, I, I like, more or less. I like um, that it's shaping up into this like debate over whether or not we have time to to ha- to do small bills, and it, that it's that it's also starting to split into like a partisan thing. Like Must Read Alaska just did a big like anti Raven uh, article, oh and I mean it's just it's really. Um, it's it's been uh, fun for me to watch that just from like the kind of cultural aspect of it, and I think that the uh, you know I, I, there's this argument: why are we wasting our time on small bills when we need to fix the budget situation? And I think that um, maybe it was Tom Hewitt who said like the legislature can you know walk and chew bubble gum at the same time, and I think that that's absolutely right. We do small bills every year, and and a lot of them are really important. And um, you know, you talked about how. Um, in one of your, you talked about in one of your articles about how um, it gives people a chance to work together and and to kind of form some of those relationships, and it's a low stakes way to do that. And I actually mm-hmm. think that I, in addition to that, it also provides some like cultural. Um, it really establishes some of our identity. Um, yeah. Look at the language bill a few years ago. We had people in the Capitol building, like like kind of taking over the building, and um, it was a big deal that that bill was able to pass. Yeah, and I think and one of the other things is uh, somebody wrote in uh, to me raising this sort of after seeing everybody kind of fight over it was that, you know, especially bills kind of like this um, are a really good kind of entry point for young people to be getting involved in the process. Um, a lot of these bills, you know, um, are also kind of I think there was a land mammal bill that was naming the moose and it was specifically um, proposed by um, a legislator on behalf of a sixth grade class uh, from the from the Kenai, yeah. And um, you know we, we talked about this too with uh, back in back when we were talking about Groundhog Day or uh, sorry Marmot Day bill um, in Alaska. And it, you know we we were looking through all the court or all the um, legislative documents associated with it. And there's like all these little letters from these like school children who are writing about the legislative process and, and, and why they think Marmot day is something that's uh, a valuable thing. And I think that's kind of where I, yeah, where I feel like some of this stuff is really is important. It's just kind of, it's easily accessible for some people, especially young people. And if they can, you know, if a, if a sixth grade class writes a bunch of letters about why the ptarmigan can't or, or versus the raven is a state bird, I think it's a great thing to to have. Yeah, and it causes us to stop and reflect on, like, why or why not we feel uh, like we identify with these, you know, animals that are around us or, um, you know, what aspects of their, what characteristics of their identity we see in ourselves. And I think that that's mm-hmm. a, it's a good exercise in, like, what is Alaska? Yeah, it totally is. And I think, you know, it, I find it, you know, I, I would be so, I, at this point, like the, there's so much door organization in, in the legislature right now. Like, is this bill going to get passed this year? Probably not, you know, but, um, I think even now the, even the, the sort of the debate about whether or not we should be debating these kind of bills in the first place has kind of been interesting. I think, I think the, the talk about, you know, can we only do budget stuff or can we only do all this other stuff? That, that's a valuable conversation to have too. I think like having these kind of conversations is just like 
it is uh, is by itself valuable. And I think uh, important part of it, you know, if, if we can only, if we were only being able to allow, or only allowed to follow like the very kind of strict uh, layout of the legislature, legislative process, I think it would be, it just wouldn't be as fun anymore. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. All yeah. right. That's a good note to end on. Yeah. All right. Well, have a good, uh, have a good week and uh, we'll talk to you again soon. Yep. Talk to you later. All right. Goodbye, Alaska. See you later.